Hey, Marie, how's it going? I'm going good. How are you? I am doing all right. I had a bit of a crazy couple of weeks, and we'll get into that a little bit later, which is why we ended up taking last week off. But I'm doing pretty good now. Things are in a good state. How about you? It looks like you got your new gaming chair and you're ready to start streaming on Twitch. <laughs> ready to play Fortnite. And yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I got the new gaming chair. I'm not a gamer. <laughs> but I think last episode we talked about this like right at the end. I was saying I was excited to get this chair. It's the Titan. Wait, I don't even know what it's called. That's how much of a gamer I am. It's the <laughs> Secret Lab Titan Evo. And I got it on sale. The reason I got it was more just for like my back and my neck. I've been having kind of these like neck and back pains. It's all to do with like just sitting the wrong way and coding like too much. Yeah. So I really just got the chair for that because it's got a right. high back. So you can kind of lean back in it. Mm -hmm. You can put, put it up really straight as well to kind of force your posture. And my brother came around like on the weekend and helped me put it together. And yeah, I really like it. I really like nice. it so far and it's very adjustable. I'd recommend it if anyone's looking for a chair. But the funny thing with chairs though, I, I feel like it's very subjective as well. For sure, I mean, you, yeah. You get past a certain level. Like once you pay a certain amount, I feel like after that, it's a little subjective because I'm super small. Like I'm 5'1 and I'm like tiny. And so I just feel like a chair that suits me might not suit someone else and vice versa. <laughs> Like I've had that a lot with just anything, clothing, chairs, whatever. So yeah, a bit subjective, but I like it. And it comes in different sizes and stuff. So you can. Uh, my wife and I are pretty different in height. She's pretty, I, I don't remember exactly. I think she might be five, three something or five, two or five, four, kind of right in that area. And I'm uh, six foot one. And so when we, whenever we're shopping for furniture or anything, I'll like sit in a chair. I'm like, ah, it's perfect. And she's like, I hate this chair. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. And the vice versa, she'll find one that she loves. And I feel like, I don't know, like I'm a, you know, like Will Ferrell and Elf, like trying to sit on like, like that's a little bit what it feels like. Like I, I'm way too big for whoever this couch or whatever is meant for. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it's definitely, definitely subjective. Um, right before we were recording, you were talking a little bit about working on like decreasing the churn rate with uh, Llama Life. So how has that been going? Like what have you been doing and how has that rate been changing from it? So this was a funny post. Like I, I did it. First of all, I've been sick, so I haven't, this week's been like really hard because I've been sick. And then also um, the person I work with, Nee, she's been sick as well. So like a lot, we were kind of running a bit on, I don't know, a skeleton kind of crew this week. Yeah, I was meant to go to bed early last night. And then I just did this, I decided to post this screenshot about churn and it was meant to be one post. And then I was like, you know, it just kept coming. So I was like, okay, I'll write a thread. I never write threads. Those who follow my Twitter know, I don't, I don't do threads normally, but I just started writing all this stuff and then I realized how much we'd actually done to reduce this churn. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason I didn't realize it, even though it was deliberate, like we were trying to do all these different things, I think the reason I didn't, I didn't sort of realize it was because they're all smaller. They're not really that small, but they're all these different things that have all kind of just added up to help mm -hmm. reduce churn. Like it wasn't just one thing. Right. It was like four or five different things. And then you look at it together and you're like, oh, it actually has helped. The reason I kind of group all these things together is because they're not really product features, mm. which, which I think is important because like me as a builder, like sometimes I get swept away and just like, I want to add this feature. Like I love adding new features. I think everyone loves adding new features. That's the best part of having it's a so product satisfying. is working on new features. Yeah. Yeah. You're, <laughs> from a creative perspective, it's so satisfying because you're like, 
oh, what else can I add? Like I can make it do this and behave a certain way. Mm -hmm. But all of these things are not really features in the traditional sense. So it's things like onboarding. It's stuff that's related to the product, but it's sort of, I guess it's, it's not a feature feature. It's more just, it helps the product. So we've got onboarding. We started building community more. So these are things like competitions and just featuring like community members in the newsletter and starting an Instagram account and making sure we post regularly on that. And the posts that we do on Instagram are more quirky, feel good kind of posts that help you get your get your mindset in the right place for the day. Right. You know, they're, they're kind of those kinds of posts. And that takes a lot of work <laughs> yeah. because you've got to create the content. So we've been doing stuff like that. And we also discovered that there was an existing feature. These are what we call preset lists, like kind of these templates that you can create in Llama Life, which people just didn't know about. We knew that this feature was really correlated or correlated to strong word, but related to people who would pay for the product. So we kind of just had this massive like discovery moment where we're like, we have this one feature. We know that people who pay for the product get value from this feature, but half of our audience did not know about it. Mm -hmm. And we're like, okay, that's a massive gap. And so we started building stuff to basically raise the profile of this feature. So there's like all these little things, but they're not new features in itself. They're just stuff around the product. Right. All those little things. Oh, we also did it. We launched like an intercom chat. So we just launched more ways people can get support. Okay. Because if you can't get support, then you're more likely to churn. I don't think we mentioned it, but most of the audience is probably aware. But if you're not like churn is just like the rate people that are canceling their subscriptions. Mm -hmm, so you mm -hmm. kind of like track your churn rate because as people churn, meaning they leave the product, that means you need to get new customers to replace that revenue to kind of keep your revenue for the company going. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's what we've been doing. We've got the intercom chat up as well so people can get support more quickly. They can also email us, but I think chat is more immediate. Yeah, I, I always prefer to do a chat if they have it. Like email, yeah. I'm like, oh, I guess at least I don't have to call, but I'd rather just do the chat if I can. Yeah, <laughs> I would say one of the biggest things was probably the onboarding though. Mm -hmm. That thing took a long time. We talked about it on the pod several months back, but we're just starting right. to see the effect of it now. What were your churn rates before? Like what, what sort of effect have you seen with a lot of these changes together? Yeah. So the churn rate like around December time, December last year, 2022 was... So about three months ago. Yeah. It was around 9%. Now it's around 3%. So oh, wow. pretty big difference. Yeah. That's a huge difference. It's not all rosy though. Like there's definitely more work to be done. So mm -hmm. churn is just one metric. There's also engagement. So like we're trying to look more at the engagement rate, like how often people are using the product and how mm -hmm. are they using it daily? Are they using it weekly? That stuff we still need to crack because I think the nature of the product, like it's a focus tool. We want people to use it every day, but in reality, they're not. Mm -hmm. I would say people on average use it a couple of times a week when they want intense focus Right. It's kind of like a tool that's ready for them. And they're like, oh, okay, I really need to get this done today. Done so now. I'm going to yeah, exactly. yeah, hop on a llama life. But the goal is to try and use it every day. Right. That's my goal. But maybe it's not someone else's. Maybe it's not like the customer's goal. So we're trying to just figure out, well, maybe it is a product that you only use a couple of times a week. But that's still okay if you're going to get value from it. And then because you get value, you don't churn. So I, I'd say engagement is different to churn. And so we're starting to look at, okay, churn's pretty good right now. Like how do we look at engagement and what can we do to encourage engagement? And then also what is the right engagement? Maybe it's fine that they only use it a couple of times a week. <laughs> right. 
I mean, because I sort of similar to Llama Life, at least like the way you would use it, I think. I use brain.fm, which is not a, you know, like a task or a timer or anything like Llama Life, but it's the same sort of thing where I'm like trying to get something done. And so I pull out brain.fm, which does like audio that I use to focus. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of similar. Like I use that a couple times a week only. Like I don't use it every day or anything. It's sort of like, it's one of those tools in my back pocket. Like I almost always use it when I'm writing my newsletter. I'm like, okay, put on Brain FM for half an hour or an hour and then use that so I can focus on writing for, you know, for this time. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to pay for that every month because I used it for a while and then I canceled and tried one of the alternatives and I was like, this is not as good. I need, I need what Brain FM was doing for me. And so I would jump yeah, back yeah. to it and I'm happy to pay that every month because it helps me so much when I need it. Like when I pull it out that once or twice a week, like it helps me stay focused and get stuff done. We think we've priced it pretty reasonably as well. Like it works out to be, if you get a yearly plan, it works out to be $2.50 a month. So we kind of (laughs) feel like, I mean, we feel like it's worth it. Obviously everyone's financial situation is different. Mm -hmm. And if you're a student, that might be a stretch, but we we think overall, and you can't please everyone, but we think overall 250 is pretty reasonable. It's less than cup of coffee and if you use it (laughs) even just once and you have like a really good focus session that should just pay for itself right so we'll see so we're trying to figure out engagement at the moment and how we can improve that what is a what is a good metric for that like what is a good level because maybe like we're saying it doesn't have to be every day Mm -hmm. yeah and then we're also thinking like pricing model as well like is that working we want to keep it around the current price because we just want to help as many people as possible and we think that's a, a really fair price but at the same time, like, is it good for the business? Not really, if I'm honest. That, that mm. pricing is not good for us. Like, we cannot sustain at, at that level unless we get heaps more customers. But it's okay for now. Right. We're just, we're just looking into it at the moment. Like, is there another model that could work? Is there anything you want to do unpack for that now? Or is that something well, you're wanting yeah. to? We can, yeah. We can. I mean, it's not set in stone, though. That's the only thing. So I yeah. guess. Maybe, maybe avoiding specific numbers, but like. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Like the whole point of this pod is to be just sharing the, the thinking and the journey, right? So, right, right. So what, right now we have a feature gated model, which just means like there's a free plan. And then because it's feature gated, you only get access to certain features on the free plan. And if you want access to all the features, then you have to upgrade. The thing is like our free plans, we've actually been told this by customers. <laughs> they said it's too good. Mm-hmm. And it's not me saying it. I'm not talking about one customer either. We've had so many customers going, thank you so much for this app. Like, but PS, your free plan's too good. And that's a problem as well because if they don't upgrade, then we can't sustain the business. So there's a few options, right? So one is to keep it as feature gated, but change the, the mix of features in a free plan versus a paid plan. That's one way to look at it. The other way we're thinking about is usage gated. So usage gated in this case would be based on your usage of the product. So say you complete a certain number of tasks you get for free. And then after that, if you use more or create more tasks, you have to pay. That would be usage gated. The big difference, other than the fact that one's usage gated and one is feature gated, the big difference for me is that if it's usage gated, you get access to all the features. Mm -hmm. You just get less access from a, a usage perspective. I think I'm not expressing this very well. No, no, I think that makes sense. Because if you went usage gated, you're giving anyone that uses your product gets to use all the stuff you've made for it. Yeah, yeah. But on the same hand, I will say like 
my initial reaction is I kind of recoil from that. Really? Like it sort of, and I don't know if this is just a me thing, but like it's sort of like I think Notion added like the AI feature. And, oh yeah, you're uh, like, maybe, I don't need that. And other other apps have done an AI feature too, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, or Craft. Craft was the one I was thinking of. Craft added it, and it's like you can do this, and you get 50 uses a month or something mm-hmm. like that, or you pay for more. And for me, I'm like, just seeing that there's a limit makes me not want to use it at all. I'm like, oh, really? I don't want to push like. And again, I think this might be a me thing because I have the same issue. <laughs> I have the same issue with video games where I'll be like collecting. I don't know, like playing some role-playing game or something and collecting potions and things like that are, that you're supposed to use that are supposed to help you. But for me, I, I feel like I'm afraid, like I don't want to use it because it's a limited quantity. And mm-hmm. so I end up saving like those potions for the entire game. And then I get to like the final boss. And I'm like, oh, I didn't use any of these. That probably would have made the rest of the game easier. But there's yeah. like this, there's something about like knowing that it's limited that makes me not want to use it. And so for me, and again, I don't know if that's just kind of like a me specific thing, but my initial thought with usage gated, like I get why you would want to do that. Kind of what you're saying, like you let people know what they're missing a little bit, like they get to see all the features. And so where there's a little bit, if people are just on the free plan, they don't maybe know what they're missing. And so they're less likely to pay for it because like the free is just good enough. Well, I guess to clarify though, we actually do a combination. I I hear what you're saying. Like it's, I feel like this is one of those challenging things where you can't please everyone, but we actually do this thing called a reverse trial. And I, I actually only heard about the words reverse trial like a week ago, Hmm. but we've been doing it for about eight months. I just didn't know it was called that. It's sort of like a combination. So basically you have a free trial for seven days and in that free trial period, you get access to everything. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not feature gated. It's not usage gated. It's just, Mm -hmm. you get everything as the app creator intended, it's kind of like, <laughs> this is the experience I want you to have with Llama Life. You get all these yeah. things. And to clarify some of that, like we're not like Notion where there's so many features. Like When you look at their pricing page, there's a table and it's like you get all these things and you get these things. There's like different tiers. Like we're not that complicated. So we have a lot of features, but not to the point where it's like people might say, oh, I don't need that. And this is the tricky thing. That's what I think. But we have to test it. Um, (laughs) So we do a free trial. You get access to everything. And it's called a reverse trial because after seven days, we basically revert you to a free plan. Right. So we we put the the feature gate on. But you don't have to do anything. Like it doesn't automatically upgrade because I hate that. We don't make you pay anything up front. There's no credit card up front. We basically just say, try it for seven days. Then after that, we'll revert you to a free plan. And if you choose to upgrade, you can upgrade. That's why it's called reverse trial because you get Mm. reverted and then you can pay to upgrade. I think we would still do that with the usage gated. So you would have a a free trial period where you get unlimited usage. And then after Mm. that, instead of feature gated, it'd be usage gated. Interesting. Yeah. But it's not set in stone. Like we're just, we're just thinking about these things because my goal is to be here for a long time with Llama Life. We want this product to be around. So we're thinking, you know, what do we need to do to make it sustainable? Right. If it continues like it is, I don't think it will be because it's a niche product. Anyway, so there's a lot of levers like to try and like push and stuff. So <laughs> anyway, I think the most important thing is like we are experimenting with stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But having said that, we want to make sure that we take care of existing users. So we're always trying to think like, is this going to affect existing users? Like how's it going to affect them? So we want to try and make sure if there is an effect, like it's got to be done in a positive way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really tricky. So we're, 
<laughs> I don't know. It's just stuff we're thinking about. Well, it'll be fun to kind of see as uh, that evolves and as you kind of maybe try some things or, you know, and I know you talk about a lot of this just sort of openly on Twitter. And so I'd be curious to, yeah, yeah. if you open that kind of uh, question up, I'm curious what other people say. If there's, if I'm like the only, I'm a potion hoarder kind of person where I'm like <laughs> terrified of these limitations or uh, if that's more common or not. Yeah, it's a good point. I think um, definitely food for thought. I think that the biggest thing I get out of all this is that like sometimes people think to to change a business model, it's just like increase the price. Like I see mm -hmm. that a lot on Twitter. People just go increase the price. But we're kind of stopping and trying to reflect a bit more like what is actually happening. Like we're trying to look at everything more deeply to say let's not just increase the price. Let's just let's try and figure out like what is happening with our users. Like are they getting value from the product? Because that is the most important thing for me. Like I don't want to create a product that – you're buying it because you read the, the landing page and you bought it. We actually want to deliver value, right? Because there's a lot of products where you read the landing page, you get excited, you buy it, but then you don't use it. Like that's not what we want to be. Like we want you to actually use it, get value from it and help right. people. And so we're trying to understand like what what's happening like under the surface. Because yeah, I could, I could put a paywall and up the price. In fact, the price was more expensive about a year ago. It was $48 a year. We dropped it to 30. And to be honest, like we were making more money on 48. Mm -hmm. So we're losing, we're actually running it at a slight loss versus before. But putting a price up to 48 doesn't solve the customer problem. Like, yeah, we were getting more revenue from it, but we weren't solving the customer problem, which means they probably wouldn't renew the next year. So it's like a short-term win in terms of more revenue, but long-term, they're not going to be there next year. Right. So it's not a long-term win. So we're like, okay, well, what's actually happening? And let's really dig deep on like what is happening. Try to solve that for the longer term versus this short-term win. Right, right. Yeah. Sorry, is that a duck or something? I'm hearing something in the background. Oh, yeah, that's an Australian bird. It's um. I don't know how loud that'll be on the mic. I could hear it. It's, it's pretty quiet, but I can definitely hear it just like rhythmically squawking in the background. It stopped now. Yeah, it did. It's so funny because I think I'm so used to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's funny. One of my friends from the States like came to visit me a few years back. She stayed with me and she's like, what's that sound? I was like, what sound? And, oh, there it is again. There it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. She was fascinated by all these bird sounds. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess that is a, nat uh, that's a native bird. It's kind of like when uh, for a while we lived in a little house that was bordering the train tracks. And so like the train would pass like at night and it was so loud. It would like shake the house. And after a couple of weeks, we just got used to it and we didn't even like notice anymore. It was just oh, like, really? like yeah. oh, it's just the train back there doing its thing. I So I used to live <laughs> in London for a bit. And um, my first place that I lived was like this share house. And I had this tiny little room hmm. and, I, and I had nowhere else to go. I didn't know anyone. So I had nowhere to go really. So I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm good. I'll take the room. I'll take the room. And then the first night, I heard like this, I heard a train. Right. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's, that's loud. I opened the, the window and the train tracks like right there. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, no wonder no one else took this room. Right. But I had no, I didn't really have many choices. So uh, I, I took it and yeah, that's not something I couldn't get used to that. That was like right outside the room. For some reason we did get, cause it was, it was like 12 feet from our house. Like you walk out the back door and it's just like the train tracks were like right there. Anyway, I don't know, Ian, if you're going to cut all this out or not. Um, we should it's probably... It's kind of funny though. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, this is what happens. It can be, it's natural. Anyway, so that's what we're doing on 
you know, thinking about pricing. We'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, what have you been doing? You said you had a really busy week or stressful kind of week. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> actually, while we were recording the last episode, I, we were like kind of wrapping up the episode. Oh, no, we'd finished recording. And then we were just sort of like chatting afterwards. And then I, I was getting some messages from uh, I got a couple uh, text messages from my wife that were like not super concerning, but a little like, oh, we need to do something real quick. She had taken our youngest uh, Maverick to uh, the clinic because he was having just some like nighttime. Well, I'll, I'll just say what it is because I want people to know the signs. He was like suddenly like he'd never had any problems with uh, needing to go to the bathroom at night. But all of a sudden he was going having to go to the bathroom like four or five times a night and then being like super thirsty. We'd put him to bed and like an hour later, he would like run to the bathroom and then like, I need water, I need water. And so it was really kind of strange because he had never like never done any of that before. And then all of a sudden it was like four times a night he was getting up and going to the bathroom. And eventually we took him to just like the local clinic to see like, hey, is there anything to be concerned? And they did like a couple of tests on him and then basically rushed us to, well, semi rushed us to like, you, you should take him to Children's Hospital, which we did. So we took him to Children's Hospital ER and eventually found out, like, it was confirmed that he has diabetes. So that was crazy. And then we were in the hospital for, oh, I don't even know, like, it was like four days or something. As like, he was, luckily we caught it really early because a lot of times when kids find out that they have type 1 diabetes, it's because they get really, really sick. And so we kind of lucked out in that we took him in early. And so he, ha he hadn't gotten really sick yet. And so they were able to, you know, kind of figure out what was going on and give him what he needed. And then basically they we were there for several days as they educated us to learn what our new life was. Because like with diabetes, it's I'll do sort of like just so people understand, because I didn't know anything about this. Like I had no idea how any of this worked. And so like this is a very rudimentary explanation of what's happening. But normally, like when you're eating food, specifically like carbohydrates, your body turns like that sugar into glucose, which is basically just like sugar in your blood. And then when you like, if you go for a run, your body is using that glucose, it like matches so your pancreas is creating insulin. And then the insulin and glucose kind of like combine together to give energy to your cells. So that's kind of normally very rough explanation, but that's normally what your body is doing. And with when you have uh, type one diabetes, and I believe type two is similar, but not not quite the same. But because type type one can't like you can't fix type type one with or with your diet. Like your diet does not do anything with type one. It's completely kind of separate from uh, all that sort of stuff. When you have type one diabetes, basically your autoimmune system is killing the cells that produce insulin, and so which normally kind of those come from your pancreas. So what happens is the reason that he was having to go to the bathroom all like over and over at night is that during the day he's eating food and getting glucose in his bloodstream. And then he didn't have any way to get rid of it because there was no insulin to basically get it into the cells for the energy. So the glucose levels were just rising and rising and rising. So his body was saying, we need to get it out. So it was like, you got to go to the bathroom to get all this sugar out of, out of your bloodstream or, you know, out of your, out of your body. And then because of that, he was getting dehydrated. So there was like this cycle. And apparently that's like, I'd never heard of this before, but apparently that's like one of the first signs 
is like this extreme, like going to the bathroom all the time and having and being really, really, really thirsty is like one of those early signs of type one diabetes because your body just doesn't know how to deal with the glucose because the insulin's not doing its job. Anyway, so it was like the reason we had to stay there for a few days is because we had to learn about all this. And then we had to learn how to like we, we have to count his carbohydrates and we have to give him shots for basically every meal. And that's sort of like from now on, we have to give him because his body isn't making the insulin or like his autoimmune system is killing the cells that normally would produce insulin. So we have to give him the insulin manually, which is this. It's been crazy because you have to like, <laughs> you have to check his blood level with every meal. So like before, before he eats any food, like we do like little prick on the finger to check the blood, um, which luckily it's not that bad. Like I, I heard that and I was terrified. I'm like this poor, yeah. you know, our poor kid, he's only six years old, but luckily it's like, that's pretty easy. Like there's this little, I don't know how many details I need to get in, but there's this little like pen thing that you kind of click. And then it does just like the teeniest, tiniest little like like prick that causes like kind of a dot of blood to come up so you can like check it for the glucose level. So then you know how much insulin to give him after the meal. But then we do have to like literally every meal. calculate every time. Yeah. So we have to always count all of the, the carbohydrates and then we have to count out, like figure out the math because everyone's system is different. So we're like trying to figure out what our math equation is of like, oh, how many carbs, how many means, you know, we take the carbs, divide it by like 25 and they're like, oh, okay, that's how many units of insulin we have to give them. It's a lot. So it's been a very, and yeah, so I told you, I was like, I, I need to take so a week off. You didn't get much work done on the book? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I didn't, so didn't get much work done on the book at that time. Uh, it's just very much like, and I said this in my, uh, in my newsletter, I wrote a post if, you want to kind of, you know, if people want to look more into it, I wrote a little bit more about it in that post, but basically like math and needles has been kind of like our life now, like figuring out, like having, like we're having to give like five or six shots a day and like constantly checking the glucose levels and just figuring out the math to know how much to give them. Cause basically you kind of have like a sweet spot of like the number varies, but something like you want the number to be between like 80 and 150. And if it goes higher than 150, like that can be bad long-term, like that can cause like organ damage and like things like that. So you don't want to go high, but if you go too low, that's when you can like faint and like eventually possibly have seizures. And like, that's when it's really scary. So now it's like this constant balance, this game of like, how many carbs did he eat? Cause that's going to make the number go up. And then how much insulin do we give him? Cause that's going to bring the number back down. But also if he runs around a lot, he's going to burn energy that way. So that'll bring it down more. And so there's like a million factors, like all these things are trying to figure out. Luckily, you never want to be diagnosed with with, uh, type one diabetes, but things are in a really good place as far as like the technology and stuff like that right now. Um, So we're hoping to get him with a CGM, which is like a, I think it's continuous glucose monitor, which is basically like a tiny little plastic device that sticks on his arm. And that way we don't have to do like the finger checks anymore. Then it just like constantly reads his glucose level, which we're hopefully in a couple of weeks going to get that because that's probably the most stressful is just like you check his blood, you know, do you check the finger thing to know what his glucose level is. Mm -hmm. Once you've given him insulin, it's hard to rely on that number because you don't know how much of a swing, like if you check it, you're like, is this his glucose level 
at the bottom? Like, has the insulin taken effect yet? Or is it still like, is it falling right now? And we yeah, don't yeah. know. Where is it in the cycle? Yeah, it's exactly. Taking care of it and stuff. Yeah. And so that's uh, probably yeah. like the most stressful thing right now is just like so often we just don't know where his current level is. And so once we get that CGM, which again, hopefully should be in like a couple of weeks, that'll be like, you'll know oh where my gosh, all the time. so yeah, much. Yeah. yeah. And that it has some issues too, because it can get like the calibration can get off, but just having like a constant number will help a lot. Anyway, so that's kind of been my life for the past kind of couple of weeks, just figuring all this stuff out and how we're going to deal with it. But yeah, and you, you yeah. kind of briefly mentioned the book. I will say I also am like trying to cram that in real quick because I hired my editor and he has kind of a limited window. So I have to do that in like the next week. So it's, it's going to be a really crazy uh, next week for me as I'm trying to get the book ready to get to the editor. Mm -hmm. But that'll hopefully be kind of one of the last big steps of the writing process. And then I can work into like getting the cover done, getting illustrations done, getting like the actual layout and then all the things that go into the publish side of things. What's the date for the book launch? Like, have you got an actual, so you've got dates for editing and stuff, but do you have a date for the launch? I don't have a launch date yet. I'm hoping to, once I've gone through this round of editing, I'm hoping to be able to kind of estimate a better date so that I can have pre-orders and stuff like that. But right now, uh, no idea. <laughs> so, so I know, you know, we both work really well when there's a deadline. And for me, I'm always trying to set like these fake deadlines in a way, but is there a way you can set like a real deadline on the launch somehow, like product hunt, schedule it? I think the biggest thing for me is there's just, I need to figure out when the book is final. Because at some point I'm going to have to set a like, this is no more edits allowed. And then I think once I have that, then I'll be able to estimate like how much more it'll take. Because otherwise there's just, it's just too kind of unknown right now. I don't want to say them, but I have in my head months that I would like to launch and months that I don't want to launch. And so it kind of depends on how quickly I get that done to see which window is kind of going to be available for me. So stay tuned. Stay, stay, stay tuned. tuned. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I think it's good you shared that because, well, real life stuff gets in the way as well, you know, and that's more, it's definitely more important than if you met a deadline for your feature launch. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's good you're taking care of, of it all. And it sounds like whatever education they gave you at the hospital, they did a good job or you did a good job taking it in. Cause <laughs> when you were explaining it to me, like that made a lot of sense to me. And I sort of know a little bit about type one diabetes, just, just cause I have a, a childhood friend who, mm. who has it, but I don't know that much. Like I kind of just know roughly. So when you were explaining it, I was like, yeah, okay. That makes, that makes sense about how the body deals with sugar and, and, and how it can't basically how it can't deal with sugar in, in this case. Right. Right. Yeah. That I mean, that's good to hear. Cause when they were explaining it to me, I was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about at all. Like none of this <laughs> is making any sense. It was like yeah. so chaotic, but because we had, you know, obviously we were there for a few days. So we had a lot of people helping and the nurses were like amazing, especially we had one nurse that she had type one diabetes herself. And so she was kind of able to show, you know, she had an insulin pump and she had her, or CGM. And so that was really helpful to kind of see how somebody's actually using that stuff. And uh, I've learned a lot about diabetes in the past uh, week and a half. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I think you got your priorities in order. So that's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Thanks. And yeah, hopefully this week is not as chaotic for you. Just trying to think what I'm doing this week. Well, I'm sort of just recovering from a cold. I'm trying to take it easy this weekend. 
But next week, I feel like it's it's funny when we talk about what we're going to do because it's so it is kind of short term, but it is long term. Like it's longer term thinking. But mm-hmm. every week, I'm sort of like, what am I going to do this week? Like there's there's sort of things that I've got a massive list in my head, but it's like it's more what do I need to prioritize this week? I think that's where the hesitation comes in. Mm-hmm. I know what I need to do. We have so many things that we need to do, but it's like what is the priority this coming week? For me, I think we're going to be looking at pricing a lot, like trying to figure out what's going on. I'm also adding like small things that probably should be there from the beginning, but just weren't because there were other things to do. So email verification. Oh, okay. Don't have it. Yeah, it's two and a half years in. We don't have it. It's not hard to do. I'm actually, I'm sort of doing it as we speak. That'll probably be done like early next week. You know what's hard? It's not actually the tech. It's not actually the verification part it's the user experience Mm. like when do i show them this pop-up how long do i give them before i show them i mean i'm going to send the email straight away when they sign up to verify but then when when do i remind them to verify and when do i cut access if they don't verify and the reason we're doing this now is because because we've got more users now there are more little mistakes being made so just the other day somebody signed up they had the right email but that was like at gmail.com with two M's, like C-O-M-M. And they didn't know because they still got into the app because they never got verification. Right, right. And then they kind of logged out and they tried to log back in and they're like, wait, I just logged in, but I actually created a new account with that same, with the proper email. But all my tasks are gone, all this stuff. And I was like, it must be something to do with like some mistake unintended mistake anyway that'll be cleared up like once we have email verification right because you won't you will be you'll be able to see it you won't get the verification anyway so that request took 45 minutes for me to sort out and i'm like we had two of them recently i'm like oh it's taking more and more time to sort these things out i need to i need to implement email verification (laughs) so yeah a lot of the stuff we implement is just to save time save us time because we're we're small like basically two-person team so anything we can do to save time, we're trying to do it. Cool. And uh, I'll just say for me, the it's it, it's all the book. I'm, it's kind of crunch time to get it done in time for my mm-hmm. editor because I can't remember if I mentioned this. Maybe I mentioned it two minutes ago and I don't remember. But <laughs> my editor basically, he had, there's like a date and I need to get it to him. Otherwise, I have to wait like a month and a half and that's going to be way too late. So this... This is a date that is, you know, it's a Not it's meanable. a big immovable date. And yeah, so yeah, I yeah. have to hit that target. And I'm trying to cram in a little bit of beta reading uh, before that too. So where I send it out to some beta readers. So Gotta do it. it's all, all hands on deck for getting the book to the editor in time. So that'll be my primary focus. Yeah. Sounds good. All right, then. Well, I'll let you go. Um, have a good week. Try not to stress too much. And <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. Chat to you next week then. Sounds good. See you.